find your way to Matthew chapter 1. We're looking at verses 18 through 23. It's always wonderful this time of year to look out and see people come in to sit with their families and people come in to visit. And uh, it's neat to look over here and on the same pew see Marty Lively on one end and Stuart McCullough on the other end. And their mothers are wise enough to sit in between them to keep them from getting in trouble. Still, some 30 years later, Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse number 18. Let's read these verses together. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall, be, shall, be, shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want to begin my sermon this way this morning by asking a question. This is one of those things that normally make myself or Micah real nervous when somebody does this, but I want you this morning, if you will, give me a one-word description of God. If you could describe God in one word, what would that be? Some of you quickly. Holy. Love. Faithful. Omnipotent. Saving. Loving. Omnipresent. Righteous. Thank you. There are words that we use to describe God. There are a number of words that we use to describe God. One of those words is transcendent. Another word we use to describe God is one of the words that was said just a minute ago, omnipresent. And this means God is everywhere all of the time. Another word used to describe God is imminent. This means that God is present with us. And the word imminent and Emmanuel are, are practically the same because Emmanuel, as we see here in the Scriptures, means God with us. Now, the one, the most prominent thing about the birth of Jesus is that God was making himself to become a human being. God was becoming identified with his own creation, and that is the meaning of the word incarnate. It means that God is in the flesh. So I want to look at just a couple of things this morning that describe the life of Jesus as we take all from this verse number 23 that says God is with us. What did that mean in terms to the people where Jesus was born at that time? And then looking at what does that mean for you and I this morning. So during the earthly life of Jesus, he was God identified with his own humanity. We know these things about Jesus as we look at the scriptures. First of all, we know that Jesus was tempted just as we are. 
Hebrews verse four, uh, Hebrews chapter four and verse fifteen says, "He was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted as we were, as we are, but he never sinned. Humans have have never, nor will we ever suffer a temptation that was not known to Jesus." Now think about this this morning, what you may be tempted with. Jesus was tempted with greed. Jesus was tempted with lust. Jesus was tempted with envy. Jesus was tempted with laziness. Jesus was tempted with every single sin that we will ever face in this life. More than anything, uh, greater than any of these, Jesus was tempted by willful pride to put his own willful pride above that of God's eternal plan. As we talked about last week there in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was tempted to stop God's plan and to say, I don't want to bear this cross, I don't want to take this cup that's been handed to me, but he went ahead and did the will of the Father. And what this identifies us, this gives us the the fact of knowing that we have a Savior that can identify with sinful, struggling human beings because he knows what we've been tempted with. He knows, think about this, what struggle, are, what, what struggle are you going through? What is your weakness this morning? What are the problems that you are having this morning? Jesus Christ, our Savior, can identify with every single thing that you're going through. He came so that he could be identified with those things. He was born that evening in Bethlehem so that he could live. God could be here in the flesh, walk and live and know what it was like to be tempted and to be the sacrifice that we needed. By his coming, Jesus became a savior. He suffered temptation, yet he never yielded. And that is why he was able to offer himself as our replacement. Because he was a perfect sacrifice. He was a perfect sacrifice without blemish, no sin, nothing to tarnish him. He was perfect. He was pure as he went to the cross and he was the perfect sacrifice for a sinner's sin. And because of that, he was a worthy sacrifice and he's worthy of praise. Someone might say to you, how could this one man's life be a sacrifice or be a substitute for every life that was ever lived afterwards. Because his life, his life was more worthy than every life combined together that's ever been lived. Jesus is that worthy replacement. And he's worthy of our praise this morning. As we lift our voices and sing these carols, we praise him for coming to that place of Bethlehem. Jesus was also called a man of sorrows. Several hundred years before his birth. It was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah said that the Savior who would come would be called a man of sorrows. In Luke chapter 19, we see this prophecy fulfilled as Jesus is there standing, looking at the city of Jerusalem and weeping over the sin of the people who are rejecting him and and openly crying and weeping over the people that he came to rescue and their rejection of him. He was identified with their sin and it caused him so much sorrow. Now, we see Jesus 
identifying with humanity in so many ways because he was involved in so many human situations while he was here. When someone was suffering physical and emotional pain, he was right there with them dealing with it. The Gospel of Matthew, if you read on after this story and you read Matthew's account of the life of Jesus, it tells of Jesus healing a woman diseased with an issue of blood for 12 years. But when she touched the hem of his garment, he had compassion upon her and she was healed. The same chapter also tells of him opening the eyes of two blind men and enabling them to see. The Gospel of Mark tells us about Jesus laying his hands on an untouchable leper and cleansing him of a dreaded disease. And then Jesus is also found ministering to people with mental disorders and emotional disturbances. Jesus was among the people, feeling the people's needs, meeting the people's needs, and knowing how they lived and meeting those needs. I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 8 tells of two men who were possessed with demons. Jesus healed them. The next chapter, chapter 9, talks of a similar instance, and there Jesus gave the man the ability to speak. Jesus identified with these people and helped them in, in their physical and emotional problems. Listen, Jesus was also involved in the people of his day with their social differences. Jesus dealt with social differences in redemptive fashion. If you remember last week, we talked about Jesus. Jesus, a Jew who was taught from the, from the time that he could understand that the people who lived in Samaria were, were people who he was never to deal with and never to have anything to do with. But Jesus traveled and walked through the area of Samaria just as he did his homeland, Judea. He wanted to be a blessing to those people just as he was to his own people. And because of that, he was able to minister to an un, untouchable and unlovable woman and a hated tax collector. He showed interest in them where they were. When there were economic problems, Jesus was equally concerned. Jesus went about doing good. When we see Jesus feeding the 5,000 or the 4,000, we understand that this large crowd of people that followed him, most of those people were economically disadvantaged. They were poor. And Jesus had compassion upon them, and he helped them in their time of need. He kept himself busy helping the poor. He gave parables to teach about human relations in the economic world. When Jesus, would, Jesus was teaching, he would use things that were of great value to the people he was teaching to show them how they ought to treasure the gift of salvation. In Matthew chapter 13, we see the parable of a hidden treasure, the pearl of great value. We see that Jesus took these things that, that he saw as these people valuing so much, and he told them how to live their lives by looking at these things. When there were re religious problems, Jesus was in the middle of them seeking to find a solution. And the Pharisees and scribes would come to Jesus, and they would, they would try to pull him into these religious arguments, and they would try to trip him up. Jesus would take and he would teach because he knew that these Pharisees and scribes had heaped so much of their own wants 
onto these people and had become such a burden to the people that he was trying to minister to that Jesus would teach them correctly and lift those burdens off of people who were, who were under this great religious burden. When there were domestic problems, Jesus gave sound advice and helpful suggestions as well as resourceful strength to deal with them. We look at the story of the Good Samaritan and Jesus taught how to treat your neighbor. We look at the story of the prodigal son and Jesus taught how to live in a family and how to, how to love that way. He was there in the domestic problems that these people went and, and had. I've told you this uh, a lot of times. We live in a community where there are so many opportunities to minister in these situations. I probably pray with more people at the grocery store than I pray with here at the church. I have people constantly who approach you. If you come up to me at the grocery store and you begin to talk to me about what's going, more than likely we're going to pray right there in the aisle of the parking lot there at the food land. Because there are so many people who have so many different situations going on in their lives and who are seeking out someone to stop and say, will you take a minute, will you take just a minute of your time and, and invest in me and show me what's, what's going on in my life, how, how, God, how God can minister to me in my life. Now, people do that because, probably partly because I go to the grocery store three times a day, and the other part is because they know that I'm a minister. They know that they, they see me and they know that I'm a minister, so I have a lot of opportunities there to do that. But guess what? Every one of you sitting here this morning who know Christ is your Savior, you have that same opportunity. Every single one of you sitting here this morning, go about your day listening while you're at work or while you're at school or while you're with family. Open your ears. Pray and ask God to open your ears spiritually to connect to your heart and to begin to listen to the needs of people and to ask God to allow you to slow down and to look at those people and to listen to those people and to hear those people and to pray with those people and help them to find a spiritual solution to the problem that they're facing. Jesus went about doing these things. And when there was sin and guilt, Jesus forgave the sin and removed the guilt from people. And there, when there was joy in the hearts of people, Jesus rejoiced with them and added to the joy. Let me give y'all tell y'all a secret. It's okay to have joy in your life. Okay? It's okay to have joy in your life. Jesus had joy. I can guarantee you that if Jesus came in here and sat on a pew this morning, he wouldn't look as upset as some of you do this morning. He would come here knowing this morning that he was coming to a place where there, there shouldn't be anywhere, should, there should be more joy than right here this morning. It's okay to come here and expect to have joy. Matter of fact, it ought to be a requirement that you leave here with a little joy in your heart. 
Now, I understand. Understand. You're not sitting. You know, I, I, it's hard for me some morning. I went to a deacon's meeting this morning where I was told that I was overweight and I dressed bad. <coughs> I could have stayed home and been told the same thing. Listen, I rarely ever, I, I try never to purposely cause you to leave here feeling bad. Now there are sermons that we, we talked this morning in, in Deacon's meeting also. We talked about how I'm going to have to preach on tithing more next year. And somebody said, well that's two things that are hard to do, preach on tithing and, and hell. And I, I'll tell you, I'd rather preach on the other subject as to preach on tithing sometimes. But we're going to have to do that. But guess what? We ought to give because of joy in our hearts. We ought to give because of what Jesus did for us in our hearts. We ought to come and joyfully give. It's okay to come here expecting to have joy. And expecting, you know what I love? I love to sit here in the baptistry on Sunday mornings before church starts. And I sit there as I'm waiting on the, on the baptismal candidates, to come, those candidates to come down and to be baptized. And I sit there and I listen to your voices. And I listen to you have fellowship with each other. And I listen to you talking to each other about your week and about what's going on in your lives and about who, you know, about all the different things that happen. And you know what? It's joyful. And it's, I sit back there and it makes my heart glad and, and joyful that, that that, that that happened. We should come here and experience. We should we should here. We should bring joy to this place, and we should share that joy with each other. Now, here's what I know: there are people in our midst this morning who are going through some very difficult things. There are people that are going through things in their health, in their finances. In, in, in their families, there are people who are going through some things that are just tremendously stressful. And here's what we should do. We should be joy to those people. The joy of Jesus in our lives should, should, should help to encourage those people. Because here's what's happened. Many of you who are sitting here this morning have gone through the exact similar circumstances. And guess who brought you through it? Jesus brought you through it. And you ought to share that with those people. And you ought to tell those people about, I see what you're going through, I see what you're struggling with, and I want you to know Jesus brought me through it. The people in this church and their prayers brought me through it. The, 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 the love that we have for each other and the love of Jesus brought me through it and got me to this place. So as we close out this year, I want you to understand, it's okay to have joy. And that Jesus, where he was, it was joyful. He was so joyful that people said he's a wine bibber. He's a drunk. He was that joyful. People, people uh, uh, mistake, mistook him for being drunk. Now, I'm not condoning that. Don't, don't go and say, hey, the preacher said Jesus looked like a drunk, so I can go eat. No, I didn't say that. But we ought to have joy in our hearts and in our lives. and We ought, we ought to take that joy that we have with each other and the joy in our relationship with Jesus, take it out of here, and share that joy with other people who need that. Because that's what Jesus did as he walked this earth. So we can see that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. He was God with us in every human need. And then we see that today God is equally identified with humanity. 
Just as God was identified with humans in the person of Jesus Christ, He is now identified with humans in the person of the Holy Spirit. Listen. Think about this. There's not one thing that can happen to any of us today but what God is not right there. If we fall, if we stumble, God is right there. I fell yesterday. It was, it was an awful, awful thing to see. I was stepping off a set of bleachers at Pepperell High School, and I missed the bottom step, and I fell. And I, you, know, you know that feeling where you feel like you're falling forever? And I'm falling forever, and I know that Bryson is standing right there with me, and I'm thinking, Bryson's going to grab me. And he never grabbed me, and then I, bam, I hit, the, I, hit the, I hit the floor, and I look up, and there's Bryson, and he's saying, man, I wish I'd have been videoing that. <laughs> he paid for that the rest of the day. Let me tell you what. When I fall spiritually, or when I fall in this life, since the moment that I committed my life to Jesus Christ, since the moment that I said to, to God, I can't do this on my own, these sins are too great for me, I need a Savior, and I don't want to live this way anymore, from that moment on, I've fallen many times. But you know what? God's been present every single time to hold me up and to... And to to let me know that he's there with me in every situation. And what I've learned is, is when he holds me up, and when he's there sustaining me, that I ask him then, how do I avoid this the next time? See, I know next time I go to Pepperell High School that there's a, that, that there's a step off there that, that I, I need to be looking down for. And I know that in this life, when I make mistakes and when I fall and when I, when I do things that, that aren't pleasing to God and, I, and He holds me, I need to say, God, how can you teach me from this? How can you help me with this so that I don't get back in this situation again? No problem is ever faced by us but what God is present and ready to help us deal with it. No heartache that we have has ever been overlooked or ignored by the ever-present God in the person of the Holy Spirit. See, God is truly everywhere now as He was at that time when Jesus was born. See, there's a difference. There's a difference now in the presence, in God's presence in the Holy Spirit and in God the Son being here. See, when God the Son was here, when He was born that night in Bethlehem, we know that He was God in the flesh, but we know that He took on some self-limitation. He took on some geographical limitations. He could only be in one place at one time. He took on some time-wise, some, some limitations, and some circumstantial limitations when He came as God the Son. But now God is present with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people say this, man, I would have loved to have lived in the time when Jesus was walking the earth. I would have loved to have been there when Jesus was walking the earth 
And it would, it would have been tremendous to have been able to sit at the feet of Jesus as he was teaching there on the Sermon of the Mount or to be one of his disciples in the boat with him when he calmed the waters and the waves. It would have been wonderful to be with there with him as he fed the 5,000. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said it's going to be better someday when I leave than it is when I'm here. You understand that? That's what Jesus taught his disciples there at the very end. He said it's going to be better for the world when I leave than it is while I'm here. If you have time, if you, you have your Bibles open, look at John chapter 16. This is what Jesus said. To his disciples there. Begin with me there in about the middle of verse number 4. It says, the work of the Holy Spirit. I did not say these things to you. This is Jesus talking. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me where are you going. But because... I have said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, who is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Jesus said, it's better that I leave because when I leave, I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness and the judgment to come. You see, this morning, if Jesus were present on the earth, if he were physically present, he would be in one place this morning. Geographically, he would, he would be in one place. But Jesus said, when I leave, I'm sending God, who is the Holy Spirit, and he will occupy this earth completely. What was one of the words we used to describe God earlier? Omnipresent. God, the Holy Spirit, is not only here this morning at First Baptist Piedmont, but he's down the street at the United Methodist Church, and he's across the highway at Daly Street Church, and he's down in other, uh, the other parts of the county at Parker or at um, the other churches that we know in there. He's at First Baptist Atlanta. He's in a hut somewhere in, in, the, in Africa. He's in a house church somewhere this morning in China. He's with the hurting and the oppressed and those who are suffering no matter where they are this morning. God the Holy Spirit is there. See, this morning, as we look at Matthew chapter 1 and the birth of Jesus, we see that it is the highlight of history. It was all things that had been pointing to that moment, and as we look back, everything that we look back to points to that moment when Christ came to this earth to redeem us for our sins. But from the mouth of Jesus, Jesus said this, there's a greater event coming when the Holy Spirit comes. 
because he's going to inhabit the whole world geographically and time-wise and in every circumstance. And he's going to convict hearts of sin and righteousness and the judgment to come. And this morning, I want to tell you that God is just as much identified with his humanity today through the presence of the Holy Spirit as he was there the day that Jesus was born and he was identified there in Bethlehem and in all of Palestine as Jesus lived there those 33 years. And this morning, I want to tell you that the wonderful thing that is happening as we celebrate the birth of Jesus that there are people who are sitting in churches this morning who normally would never set foot in a church other than at Christmas time. And as they sit there in that church and we sing about the wonderful birth of our Savior and as we talk about the birth of our Savior and as we look back at that moment in time when Jesus came, the wonderful thing that is happening in all these places throughout the world is that God the Holy Spirit who is present with us is speaking to those people in their hearts and He's pointing them to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. And this morning, that, mir that miraculous birth of Jesus Christ is expressed to us this morning through God's Holy Spirit who's speaking to us, who Jesus said as He's talking to this, the Holy Spirit you know, sometimes we wonder how they, they, they got all these things together and they wrote them and they recapped them. Jesus says right here in this section of John that the Holy Spirit would give them remembrance and they'd be able to give us all these words that we have this morning so that we could celebrate this joyous time. And so this morning, I want you to know that as we celebrate the birth of this glorious Savior, God the Son who came and who put himself in flesh so that he could identify with every single thing that you will ever go through or ever have been through and know every temptation that you have ever come across that this morning, through God the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus sent to this earth, he's bringing all those things to us and he's pointing us to Jesus. And this morning... There's no greater celebration at Christmas time than to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And this morning, God, the Holy Spirit, who is now present with us, is pointing some of your hearts to Jesus. This morning, God, the Holy Spirit, who is present with us, is pointing some of you who are troubled and who are going through trials and tribulations and physical problems and, and financial problems and family problems. He's pointing you to Jesus and saying, there's your answer. Here's your answer in life. It's Jesus. That's what's happening here this morning. And as we come to this point in the service, I pray that if God the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart this morning and He's drawing you to, to come to know Christ through salvation, I pray that you would be obedient this morning. I pray that if He's speaking to your heart and He's telling you that that you need to, to make some sort of move spiritually, whether it's through baptism or membership or, or through service, through missions, or, or whatever it is that God's pointing you to, that you'll be obedient. And I pray that this morning, 
the joy that you have during this time of the year, this, this awesome joy that overcomes you and overwhelms you as you think about Jesus, I pray that you'll take that joy and, and share it with others and tell them what Jesus did in your life. And I pray that this morning that you would, you would take that to heart. Just as the scripture said that Mary pondered all these things in her heart, that you would take it to heart and you would think about these things and you would, you would follow Jesus today. Mike is going to lead us this morning. We're going to have a time of invitation, a time of reflection, a time of worship. It's a time for us to use that time wisely. But this morning, if God is speaking to your heart about any matter, now is the time to make that, make that move to Jesus and to say, this Savior that we're celebrating, I want to take Him into my life completely and wholly and know the forgiveness of my sins and follow Him. Because it does, the story doesn't end there. That night in Bethlehem, he grew and he was with humanity, helping them with their problems and with their issues and healing them with their diseases, but pointing them to God and his salvation. And this morning, he wants to do the same for us. Would you stand as we pray? Father, this morning we pray and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gift of salvation that was brought to us, God in the flesh, through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you just as much this morning for you sending the Holy Spirit to us to convict us of sin and righteousness in the judgment to come. And Father, I pray this morning that we would worship, that we would, we would reflect, and that we would make decisions accordingly to how you want them made. We ask it in Jesus' name.